This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. So this is your sporting life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Here's your host, Peter Donegan. As always, a great pleasure to have you with us on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. My guest today is a member of one of the most famous footballing families at Collingwood, but he's got connections with other clubs now. <laughs> His name is Ray Shaw and he's with me in the studio. Shorey, welcome. Thank you, Peter. It's a pleasure to be here. You're looking well, mate. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Keeping keeping well. Yeah, everything's going fine, thanks. What are you doing for a living these days? Mate, I'm I've semi-retired. I've um I'm doing a couple of days a, a week at a, a higher place in Diamond Valley. So um that keeps the, the week going and doing a few little garden jobs, which I am a gardener, uh here and there. So now I've uh, really enjoying my retirement if you want to call it that. What are you doing in the off season? Do you hit the little white ball around the golf course at all or what do you do? Not very good at that at all, mate. No, well, none of us are. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, look, um, off season's really all about the grandkids. Uh, we've got, I've got four of those at the moment, Lisa and I. And uh, with Reese coming back to Melbourne, we've been able to see his two little boys, Louie and Freddie, a lot more. And my daughter's got two in Geelong, so um, it's great. It's really good. So you're the unpaid babysitters, are you? Exactly right. And loving every minute of it, mate. Yeah. What's <laughs> the best part about being a grandfather? Oh, I think um, just seeing them, just seeing them and growing up. And uh, we, as I said, we're fortunate Reese has come back so we can see the two boys grow mm. up. Um, but I I just can't wait to see the next time I see them. You know, a lot of a lot of grandparents say it's, you look at the times, so we can give them back. But yeah, I'm a little bit that way, but oh, I just love seeing the, the kids. It used to be, sure, that... I would ask you if your uh, grandchildren, your uh, the male grandchildren, were going to play football mm-hmm. or had the footy gene, but we can talk about both genders now because yes. it is open to both sexes. Exactly right. And uh, I've got the three boys and the one girl, and Sierra's the oldest. She's eight, so, mm. uh, um, yeah, long way to go yet before they choose what they want to do. Do they show any aptitude at football or are they interested in footy because of the genes? Um I would say at this stage, you know, um, Freddie and Louie, that's Reese's too. He's, they've you know, naturally gone kangaroos now, the swans mm. to the kangaroos, where uh, little Hudson, that's my, my daughter's other one, he's fanatical giants. He's absolutely mad giants. And, uh, and naturally, we know who his favourite player is. Of yes, course. of <laughs> so course. He, he just loves the giants. He loves them, you know. So um, it's, it's a great thing for them to, to come up recognising a, a side and then they can follow them right through. So it's good. So did he take it to heart, what happened in the grand final? 
Yeah, he, he wasn't too happy. He shed a few tears, probably yeah. like all of us, but uh, yeah, a couple of days, it's all over. You can't do much about it. Yeah. Where are your allegiances these days? Because you must be a little bit torn with mm-hmm. Reese and Heater and what they're doing. And, yeah. of course, with your famous connection with Collingwood, are you still a Pies man? Oh, look, I, I, I follow the Pies um, and uh, hopefully, you know, they go well. And uh, But, it, you know, when they play against Heath or when they play against Reese, it's it's a bit of a 50-50 thing. But I, I, I honestly got to say that probably my allegiance at the moment are with GWS because Heath is still playing. Okay. Yeah. I think, you know, because you can go and watch. Uh, with Reese's role now, with, well, has been with Sydney and also North Melbourne, he's in the coach's box, so you don't really see him. But with Heather, you can um, you're actually watching him for two hours playing footy. So at this moment, the Giants are probably just a little bit in in front of the other three subs. Yeah, at the moment. So uh, Heath will go on and play until he's what fifty five, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I said to him at Christmas time, I said, you know, you're going around again, mate. And he said, yeah, Dad, I I feel good and I feel as though I can uh, contribute something to the side. So and he, he had a. He had a pretty consistent year, which is good. If he had a if he had a poor one, he might have changed his mind. And I think everyone knows if they would have won the flag, GWS, he would have given it away straight away. Yeah. Mm. So he wants to have another go at it. Mm. They often say, sure, that a change is as good as a holiday. Do you think it revitalised him to move up to Sydney and to have the role that he has now in that team? Without a doubt, but without a doubt, it was um, not not saying it was around the corner, but uh, unfortunately, you know, Collingwood hierarchy and that major decision about Heath um, and he wasn't he wasn't over too happy about it he um, and it, it was pretty hard times for him because he, he'd been a calling it a long time had a lot of mates and all of a sudden it's not a knock at the door it's a, a talk like we are doing now you know mm. see you later Heath you know we're going to try it on trade you and all that and it got it got very ugly at the end um, and he asked me to interfere with the GWS Giants plus um, Collingwood, and that's what I did too. So, uh, and I just said to both clubs, don't you know, don't use him as a cattle. He's not a cattle. He's a he's a bloody good footballer. So let's do it the right way. And when I spoke to Eddie and Gubby, I think it was at that time, I it was all done in twenty four hours. So uh, yeah, he was pretty upset about it. Yeah. What about you? Were you upset about it? Your football club, the club that mm. you'd spilt your blood for, did it hurt you that they treated your son that way? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You know, you, you don't treat anyone like that. Mm. You know, uh, a bloke who plays with a lot of passion, fair enough, he has his ups and downs like a lot of footballers, but had a lot of passion for the club and he, he definitely wanted to stay. Um, but, you know, it hurt me. Just the way they did it, Pete. It wasn't. It wasn't good the way they did it. You know, it was a lot of to and fro, and I think both clubs were trying to outdo the other one. And unfortunately, there was a, a footballer in the middle, mm. and he was getting getting it from both sides, and that. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty hurtful in the end. You mentioned you had a conversation with Eddie. The yep. one thing you can do with Eddie is you can speak your mind. You can yep. be a straight shooter. Did you give him both barrels? Gave him both barrels. Yep. Yeah. Gave what was him. his reaction? Look, he was funny enough. He was emceeing a, a, some some do or something and he had a break and he bring me back straight away and which was good and and as I said I spoke to him in a pretty solid way and told him what was going on and um now I don't know what influence or what manner he was involved in it um it was probably more the recruiting and and bucks and that but I, I would would have thought Eddie would have had a, a little bit in it and you know as I said I I gave it to him a little bit about, you know, blokes being very passionate about the club and you can't get rid of those blokes. You know, it doesn't matter who's a coach and whatever. You can always sit down with them and, and try to work things out. Um, you know, he's pulled back a little bit or, or whatever. Um, whether that 
did they didn't want to do that, but uh, I give um, Eddie's Jews as you say, Pete. He's a, a bloke you can talk to, mm. and you know he knows what Heath would have been going through and what the family would have been going through. But um, as I say, within twenty four hours, the job was done, and uh, that was it. So, given all of that. Uh what was your choice on that preliminary final day last year? You said that when yeah. Heath's playing that you're probably barracking for the yeah. Giants. Was that the way yeah, it was? Yeah, that was the way it was. That was yeah. the way it was. And uh, it's funny when you go to a footy ground and you barrack for both sides and you can't be a loser. But I was I was barracking for GWS and, you know, naturally you have a little soft bit. It didn't matter. It didn't matter, you know. And um, when they got over the line, it was great. It was unfortunate for Collingwood, but... Um, they didn't play well on that day anyway, so they didn't really deserve the win. So, um, no, a little little soft spot for GWS that day. When you turned up that day, did you give them a hope of toppling Collingwood? Because I don't think too many people mm. did. No, not really. Not really. Look, in the back of your mind, you kind of hope and pray they play well, which is, you know, you can play well and get beaten and, and take a little bit out of it. But uh, Collingwood at the MCG and, and the run that the Giants had had, like uh, I remember he saying the Bulldogs – qualifying final, elimination final, whichever one it was, was the toughest one because the Bulldogs play fast, hard mm. footy. It was in Sydney and, and they, you know, ran, ran, ran. They won easy, but I'm, I'm a big believer the more you win by, the harder you run to try to get a kick or a handball or whatever it is. And then they had to go to Brisbane. And, then and that they, was a brutal that game That was a brutal too. game. That was a big game, you know, in their conditions on their yeah. home track. Uh, brutal game, then coming back to Melbourne to play Collingwood at the MCG, it was a hard road. It was a hard road. And, and you know, they got, what, three out of four, so um, it wasn't too bad. And then I guess Shorey became the elder statesman because a lot of the Giants players would have been gravitating towards him to ask what grand final week is all about. Yep. What do you do? How do you handle it? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And uh, I know a few of the young blokes... Um, you know, after the after the grand final, even they they come up to me and said, you know, we sp- I spoke to Heath, whoever it was, might have been Josh Kelly spoke to Heath about it, and um, you know what the, what Heath gave them was good, but um, and it would have been there would have been other players also that um, you know went to Heath and asked him all about it, and um, people say it's another game, but it's not another game. It's it's high stakes. You know, it's really big, and you know they they looked as though they one week too long. Mm. They, they really did. They played their grand final the week exactly before. Exactly right. You know, yeah. two and a half quarters, they were with Richmond and then it just the gates opened and it was all over, yeah. It's pretty hurtful to lose a grand final like that. You've had close losses in grand finals. Which would you prefer? Would you prefer to be out of your misery early on or would yeah. you prefer to take it right until the wire? Well, uh, well the thing about it is... Uh, if you knew the end result, you want it over and done with pretty yeah. quick. But uh, a couple of finals that I played in and, um, you know, it went down to the line, so you don't know which way it's going to go. And, well, I remember back in 1980, Pete Richmond did exactly the same to Collingwood. Yeah. You know, we were gone. You know, we were uh, we were nowhere near. I think it was about 80 points also. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, you don't know the end of results. So, but in the game this year, it was, it was all over at halftime. Mm. You know, so I remember he's talking to us afterwards. He said the Dusty... He said to Dusty Martin, he's playing on him, he said, why don't they just blow the – halfway through the third quarter, why don't they just blow the final siren now because yeah. we, we've got no – you know, we're not going to get there. You know, you try, but you're not going to get there. Yeah, I remember calling the game and we kind of had a little bit of hope that something might change at yeah. halftime and the first 60 seconds or so of that third quarter indicated that all hope was gone. Yeah. They were shot. They were shot. They were yeah. exactly were. You know, the, you know they – and I'm a, I'm one of the – I'm a believer that – and, uh, you know, Reese and I were there early at the grand final. I, I go to every game pretty early and I like to watch the warm-up 
And, uh, you know, you can see whether they're on or they've got a bit of spring. And even Reese and I were talking about they didn't have any spring even before the game. You know, mm. the warm-up, they were flat. They just didn't didn't look lively at all. So, in result, that was the way it was. On to Reese yep. now. Did you see the signs that he was going to be a coach all the way through his career or did it come as a bit of a shock to you that he would go down that path? Um, not a shock, but I was very surprised uh, – when he finished at Sydney, you know, he, the reputation and please, he's, um, his reputation in Sydney was over this world. You know, I was embarrassed sometimes the way the staff, the administration, the coaching, the players spoke about Reese. He, he really formed a big partnership with all the players, the new and the old and all that. And the reputation was fantastic. And uh, when, he's, when his playing career come to an end, I, I thought he might have just taken up a, a minor development role on that, but... They offered him the second trial. And no, I think that was the making of him. I think he was able to, for two years, he was able to have his own side and coach him, not the way he wanted to, but coach him the Sydney style. So it gave, it gave him a bit of an in about what was going on. So, and, and you know, I think, well, unfortunately, I got beaten in, in by close calls in two grand finals in Sydney mm. second. So, uh, um, but I think it was the making of him. I think he was able to settle himself down and, and, and actually see what, what it was like to be a coach. Um, and then they promoted him to defensive coach the following year. And, um, yeah, he, he did pretty well that way, yeah. And then the caretaker job comes up. Yep. And it's it's a big step. And everybody automatically assumes it's something that you want to do. Did he seek mm. your counsel at all and say, what do you reckon, Dad? Yeah, he did. He naturally did. He um as we know, he was he came over as an assistant coach. He was going to do the defensive role. And uh, uh, with Scotty... Going, uh, which was a, a real surprise to to everyone in North Melbourne. I think it was a big surprise to everyone in the media that yeah. uh, you know after a 10, 11 years at the club, he, he decided to 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 go and with the club's permission and all that. And Reese, look, you had Darren Crocker, you had Lee Tudor, you had Gavin Brown, you had all these blokes who had been around the club for a while, and all of a sudden the club's gone to a bloke who'd been there for six months and said, you know, would you like to take it over? And and the thing that I said to him, Reese, I said, mate, if you feel comfortable, go and do it. You know, you, there's no – it doesn't matter if you don't win a game. but And, and you've got to just put a little bit of a mark on them, on the players so that they know that, you know, you're still there as a coach. You might be the caretaker, but you're still the coach. And um, the way the players responded was, was excellent. And so, um, yeah, after I've been a bit funny about it, I, I just said go for it, mate, and, um, and, and this is what's happened. So, yeah, it's been good. And they responded, sure, in a couple of ways. They responded in a football sense. It yep. seemed as though they were revitalised. But the other way they responded, and you could see this and hear it whenever they spoke, they responded to Reese as a person, as a bloke. Yep. There seemed to be that understanding between coach and player. Yeah, look, if you've, uh, as you know, Pete, you've been around sport clubs and things like this, if the coach has got the respect of the players, you're halfway home. You are halfway home. You know, there's no little negatives around the place. You know, Reese, you know, 2000, coming up to 2020, I, I, you know, just talking to him he, and just talking to a few of the people around the club and supporters, it looks as though he set a mark on them and just said, look, this is the way we want to play. This is the way we're going to have to play to be any good. And I think the players have accepted that. They've accepted the way that he's gone about, you know, being with them, whether you're number one player on the list, whether you're number 40, everyone's the same. You've got to treat everyone the same, and that's exactly what he's done. 
And even going back to your day, relationships between players and coaches were important, but there mm. are so many coaches these days. But the oh. figurehead is still the man in the senior coaching yep. position, yep. and he's got to have a relationship with everybody. Exactly right. And, um, you know, I forgot to mention the, the coaches that are with him at the moment. You know, they're right behind him. They're giving him every opportunity. They're offering advice, and Reese is seeking advice off him. So at, at, at the moment, if you're... You know, without even playing a game, the place looks a very happy place and it looks as though um, 2020 is going to be okay for him too. So what do you do in north of playing the Giants? Yeah, I, I, you know, Hooters still there. They get they get uh, 60-40 or something like that at the moment. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're, look, they're a fantastic club. They've done so well in such a short time. I think what this is their ninth year coming up and what Primley finals and grand finals. Mm. I know they've got the cream of the crop, but... A lot of the cream of the crop's gone too, of course, over that time because, you you know, salary cap and all this. But, you know, they're stuck to their guns and um, I, I, I think they've just got to tinkle with a few things, um, players' positions and things like that for them because you just can't keep going with the same blokes in the same position and not being successful. You've got to mm. tinker a little bit. So I, th- I think they will a little bit, yeah. Are you a believer in the premiership window? Because we often talk about it, that you get that little window of opportunity, but it passes you by pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Do they have to do it sooner rather than later? Or do you think that Giants are a team that can stay up the top for a few years now? Oh, I think they can stay up there. You know, the, the competition's just going to get harder and harder for for every club in the competition. You know, Richmond's a benchmark and, uh, like, you know, they didn't even make the grand final two years ago, and they're mm. probably the best side for the last two or three years. Yeah, without been. question. They're, they're without, you know, so, uh, yeah, I think I think the window's there. Um, I think their, their depth is, is not too bad, but and, and funny enough, I've been thinking about the last couple of weeks, and I'm not just picking at the Giants, picking a lot of clubs where, and I'm going to be interested because I, I watch the footy pretty closely. The blokes who are tinkering on being, they're just B, B plus players or B players, they're going to take that next step, mm. and that's a lot of players, a lot of in a lot of clubs. You just can't be there as a B plus player or a B player. You've got to you've got to elevate yourself to be up there, and if you can't do that, well, the, the side really doesn't improve that one, two, or three percent. Yeah. Well, I often talk about teams only being as strong as their bottom six. Yeah, you know, every yeah. team's got superstars in their team. That's right. But it's the contribution you get from the players, sort of sixteen to twenty-two. Oh, with without a doubt, that's they're the most important. Well, not say the most important, but as you say, they got every side's got their guns and things like this. But um, the the bottom six, they're the ones that I'm talking about. They're the mm. ones that got to elevate themselves to, even if they were a C, which they probably wouldn't be. They've got to get to a B and a B to an A and things like that. It's going to be hard, but players are going to take that progression and, and go ahead with it. Anyway, that's enough of talking about Heater and Reese. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about their old man, and we'll do that when we come back on the other side of the break. Hope you're enjoying the chat with the great Ray Shaw on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral, celebrating lives, and we've got plenty more still to come after the break. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Russo gets a kick over there, punched away that time by Ray Shaw, back towards centre-half, back kicked off the ground by Shaw. He's doing pretty well, good play by the Collingwood skippers, he takes the ball away. If he can pick it up, but he can't, now he can. Ray Shaw with the chance, he races into goals and has put it through. And Denning puts the ball down, good piece of roving by Ray Shaw, goes towards goal and bounces truly. Can get clear. There's strong players. We see a pickup by Shaw. Snap for goal. It's there. I think he may have put it through a beautiful goal. Oh, some famous voices there. Louie and Pete yeah. Landy and Bobby Skilton, uh, the great Ray Shaw, is my guest on This Is Your Sporting Life. That must take you back. But let's go back even before that, okay, Shaw. Yep. Where did the journey all begin? Where did your love affair with footy begin? 
Uh, as far back as I can remember, I was uh, born in Reservoir, uh, and Reservoir was Collingwood's area back then, the zone area. So, and always, bow, always bow for Collingwood, always. And uh, uh, coming up through my oh, probably 10, 11, 12, Lynn Thompson lived five minutes away from me uh, in Jingi Road and uh, in Reservoir. And if it wasn't every day, it was every second day, I'd go up there and try to look over his fence and have a look at it, see if I can see him <laughs> and uh, put a put a few palings off the fence. His old man had a go at me one night about pulling the palings off. And I said, I just want to see Len. He said, he's not here. So I, before he got me, I just took off. So, but yeah, look, I can go as, as long as I can remember, Pete. I was uh, always a Collingwood man and, uh, and uh, always, I had, even when, you know, going up to see Len Thompson, I, even from an early age, I had four dreams, four things that I wanted to do. And you can call them dreams. Uh, I wanted to play with Collingwood because I buried for him. I wanted to rove to Len Thompson. I wanted to be captain. I wanted to win a premiership. So once again, Pete, I got three out of four. Three again. out of four and so close to <laughs> so the close. fourth one yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, but I just I just love Collingwood. My sister and I used to go every week wherever. You know, Glenferry Oval where mm. mud and slush and things like that. Anywhere we were we were going to see Collingwood. Now, those of us who barracked for Collingwood had their spots at Victoria Park where they used to watch the footy. What yep. was your spot? My spot was in the, the far, the, say, the Yarra River end in the forward pocket. Near uh, the scoreboard? Near the scoreboard, just nearly in the for, between the scoreboard and the, and the goals, which was, wasn't very far anyway. But, yeah, we used to like that little area because, uh, you know, the Collingwood players weren't far away when they ran down the race and things like that. Yeah, that was... Yeah, my favourite spot. We probably bumped uh, into each other a few times <laughs> that we didn't know each other at that probably, time. That's yeah. where I was. That's, oh, okay. That's where I used to watch it up yeah, that end of yeah. the ground. I just used to love because you just, instead of waiting at the railway end to get in the ground, you can just go down Lily Street, or not Lily Street, one of the little one down there, and just go straight in. And yeah. you're, just, you're there, 20, 20 metres, you're standing ready to go, yeah. yeah. You know, one of the, the memories that I have, the vivid memories of standing at that end of the ground, is watching Peter McKenna putting those drop punts through from the most impossible angles. Yeah. It didn't matter where he was, he could kick a goal, and that was the perfect place to watch it. Yeah, yeah. He, he's the best I've ever seen, mm. kicking for a goal. You know, and uh, I said, matter of fact, uh, if I had the opportunity, I would kick back to him because if I miss, it looks terrible, but he doesn't miss. So I'd rather kick it back to him. But uh, he was – yeah, I, I really don't think I've seen anyone better than him. You know, mm. there, there may be a couple of blokes close, but not – not in my memory. He was fantastic kick for goal. So as a young fellow, you're dreaming about playing for the Pies, the team that you support. When yep. did you start realising that it was a possibility, that you had the ability to go on and play at the top level? Um, well, I started playing senior footy with my uncle, Kevin. He coached McLeod Rosanna in the early 70s. And I went from under-19s to seniors that year. And, and Preston asked me to come, a, come across and play three games in their seconds just to have a look. That's what they did those days, have a look at you and see. And I, I, you know, I did all right, but I didn't enjoy it because it was, it was like you, know, you drive in, drive out. You know, I, I, wasn't a, I wasn't at a set club. So I went back to McLeod and played the rest of the, in the seniors. And the following year, um, Preston invited me down to, in 1973, to to play and train and, and all that. So uh, I went down there and, um, yeah, I had, you know, Harold Martin and Bobby Island and all these blokes, Lenny Clark and Barry Leslie were all great blokes and they took me took me aside and, and they helped me so much. You know, I was only, God, I think I weighed about 65, 70 kilos. Ringing wet. Ringing wet, mate. I was only a real whippet. So uh, they, they, they did that for me and um, fortunate enough at the end of the year, which I – 
to be honest, Pete, I didn't even know there was a Liston Trophy. I didn't even know what was going on. And I was playing basketball at the time at Coburg, and a bloke came up to me at halftime. He said, oh, mate, you just won the Liston Trophy. And I said, what are you talking about? Because, as I said, I don't, didn't even know. I kind of heard of it, but didn't didn't take any notice of it. And and then at the end of the game, there was cameras and things like this, and the bloke said, you won the Liston Trophy in the VFA. So really, I would think my year at Preston in 1973 – you know, I was able to step up the ladder a little bit and, and go and play with Collingwood and, uh, in 1974. And I was lucky enough to play in the very first game, which is even better. Yeah, it was a big step, big step. The two things the playing in the VFA would have done for you is playing against men. It's mm-hmm. always a good thing. And they talk about that as a um, blooding a young man going into football. The other yeah. thing it would have done was it would have made you tough, Shorey, because yeah. it was a tough competition in those days. Pete, you picked him up right on the spot. I, I always say to young kids now, if you get the opportunity to go and play senior footy, you know, if he's under eight, now with the under 18s, I think even at this stage, some of those kids who are pretty good, they should just go and have a couple of games in the VFL and things like that, just to get them used to it. And as I said, I started off, um, you know, with the Preston and as you say, it was tough. It was hard. Although we only had 16 men aside, you did a lot of running, but it was tough. It was really tough, you know, and blokes... You know, because I was only a whippet, they they kind of get you, and you know it did hurt. It wasn't mm. soft on you. So, but I had I had good enforcers behind me. You know, Harold Martin, a couple of other blokes. They were they looked after me on the ground, and uh, you know we had a we had a we didn't have a very good year in '73, but uh, you know I enjoyed just their company and playing the game. Yeah. Can you remember the first time someone from Collingwood came along and said, "Listen here, young fellow, we'd like you playing in the black and white." Yeah, the great Jack Regan. Mm-hmm. Knocked on my door on a Sunday morning, and um, I, you know, because I was following Colin, I knew Jack straight away. But I, you know, you'd, you'd see someone like that knocking your door, you don't know what he, what he's going to come and say, or you might be interested. We're looking at you, or whatever it is. And, and Jack come in, and and uh, Mum and Dad got him a cup of tea, and we sat down, and oh, I think he must have been here for half an hour. Then all of a sudden he said. Ray, we'd like you to join Collingwood. We spoke about everything else except about talking about Collingwood. And uh, and I was naturally, I think I got on my bike. I can honestly say I got on my bike, went up to the career club because I was playing cricket at that time and told the boys on a Sunday morning that I was going to go and play with Collingwood. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I did, if I jump in the gun a little bit, I did exactly the same when they said that I was going to be captain. I did exactly the same because I played cricket for Keon Park for 20 odd years and they were all my mates and... I just so rapt to be involved, first in Collingwood and then naturally the second one being captain, yeah. So the ambition is to play for the team that you loved and what's the experience like? You're climbing Glenn Thompson's fence at one stage <laughs> and then you're sitting in the that dingy old dressing room with yeah. him at Victoria Park. What yeah. was that experience like? Was it a bit out of body? Was it a bit surreal? Oh, look, I, I remember even the first game, I never slept, you know, because I was just... What's going to happen? What's going to happen? You know, I'm going to walk in. Although I trained with the boys all the time, but as you say, Pete, playing a game of AFL, sorry, VFL that time, and mm. is you know, it's it's hard and it's tough and things like that. And and me, for me to walk in the rooms, I, I was, I think I was shaking still even before I ran out in the ground. I was because you just don't. You know, I was going to say you don't want to make a fool of yourself, but you want to get a few kicks and things like that. And uh, but you know. It, it probably just wasn't Tomo, you know, the, the Richardsons and the Ross Duns and, and all those blokes. The, the blokes who I'd grown up watching for so long, all of a sudden I'm just about to run out in the ground with them and uh, try to get a kick. How long did it take you to feel comfortable with the tempo and the pressure of the game at the top level? Oh, it, it took me probably nearly halfway through, nearly halfway through, yeah, but, um, because, you know, VFA 
compared with VFL is completely different. It's, mm. um, uh, you know, you're playing with better players and that. But, but and also the thing, when I was playing the VFA, I was on the ball a lot of the time, you know, uh, playing centre. Even at my young age, I was playing centre and rover. And, but when come to Collingwood, you know, the, the Ronnie Wearmouth, I was sharing the load with him. And it's something that I wasn't used to instead of, you know, Standing in the forward pocket for fifty percent of the time, it wasn't my, wasn't my gay because I liked to be involved in that. But it took its time, and and you know, there's a, another bloke, Ronnie Wearmouth, who was a great mentor to me. He was fantastic. So, uh, and I was an absolute pleasure playing with him, an absolute pleasure roving with him. Yeah, it was great. And he had some serious hair too. Oh, serious hair, yeah. And uh, he, he's he's the most courageous player that I've seen. Really, with. If, if Ronnie didn't have blood on his head or a blood nose or, or a black eye at the end of the game, something was wrong. And, and we had a, we had a, a fantastic relationship. We um, we worked so well together with Tomo in the ruck. And and Ronnie, he said to me one day, he said, mate, if you're killing him, you're on the ball and you're killing Miss Day. Don't come off. And I thought that was great to come from a bloke who, um, you know, played a few games and, and a very good player. And we kind of shared that in the end. You know, when Ronnie was playing well, I just said, mate, keep going. Because you come off the ball, you lose all your momentum and, mm. and the tempo of the game. So, yeah, that was, that was you know, I really enjoyed my footy in, in those days. It was great. Now, Ronnie was not the strongest built fella in no, the world. No, And nor were you, as no. you said, you know, you're only a weedy little thing. Yeah. Is that the reason that the long sleeves came out? Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. No body, don't show it, I reckon. The spaghetti arms? Spaghetti arms. You haven't got them, don't show them. But I just felt, I just felt um, comfortable with a long sleeve, yeah. Did you ever wear a sleeveless? You did once, once, didn't you? Once again, South Melbourne, it was really hot, really. And unfortunately, you know, when it's hot, you perspire a lot and the sleeves are about another six inches long, so I couldn't even feel my hands. So I, I did that after half time, but... Yeah, that was about the only time I did it, yeah. yeah. Just didn't feel comfortable? I didn't feel comfortable at all. And then, then I decided my wife caught me jumping and she kind of cut it halfway up my arm, my forearm, so that, it, you know, if it did get perspiration, it wouldn't go down further. So I was able to wear a three-quarter <laughs> a sleeve one, yeah. So was, but I, I, I just felt so comfortable wearing a long sleeve. It didn't matter hot or it didn't matter it was cold. I just enjoyed it, yeah. Doesn't matter what era, Shorey, you play for Collingwood, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of eyes on you. There's a yep. lot of people wanting to tell you what you're doing wrong rather than mm. what you're doing right. It was the same in your day. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. You know, the, the media scrutiny wasn't as big as it is now, but, mm. you know, you, um, if you play a bad one, people will tell you, you know, um, and you wouldn't get in the Sporting Globe on the way home. You leave, <laughs> you leave that in the news agent. The old pink paper, right? <laughs> pink paper, I used to love it, especially when you played all right, you know. But, uh, yeah, look, there, there's a lot of people, but... You know, the Collingwood people are pretty thick. You know, you, you go back into the social club after a win or or after a loss, they were, they were pretty much the same. But but outside, completely different. You know, people would get into you and uh, the media would get into you if you weren't playing well and things like that. But you're in, you're in a game that that's going to happen. It's going to happen all the time. So um, you just got to take it. You just got to accept it. And I think the best thing is you've you got to read it. Mm. You've got to read it. You know, you got to, like I've got my scrapbook. Fair enough, though. People say oh, the only good things you put in scrapbook is good things. But I've got a few things that people woke me up and said, get on with it. You know, instead of being doing this and doing that, you've got can to you, do... Can you bring one to mind that you've read a few times over and over again over the years? I think I think it was I think it was Scotty Palmer wrote one. He said that, um, and this is getting close to the end of my career. And, and fair enough, too. I changed my game, Pete. I, mm. changed, I was... You know, not patting myself on the back. I thought I was a pretty ferocious bloke at the ball, and you know, even when the opposition got the ball, I was ferocious at them. And I, I started to get hurt a little bit, and I thought, oh, you know, why should I do this? 
why should I do it? Not telling anyone else, why should I do it? So I became an outside player and I didn't like it. And the last, um, you know, good luck to Scotty. He picked it up. He picked it up and he, um, and before the finals, he wrote a little article and saying that, you know, in other words, I've changed my game. I've got to get back to where I was. And in the finals, I tried to do it. You know, we weren't successful, but I did take that a leaf from someone who, that's, I met Scotty here and there and everywhere. But, but I, you know, he'd seen a lot of footy and, and I took it on board. I thought, uh, yep, you're right, mate. I'll, um, I'll see what I can do about it. And once you took it on board, you'd take it all the way to the big game yep. three years in a row. We'll talk about that when we come back on the other side of the break. You just said something, though, that a lot of footy supporters have said over the years. You said it in a different context, though. You said Collingwood supporters are very thick. I seem to have heard that from a lot of other football supporters <laughs> at various right. times over the years. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, they're, good, they're a good mob of Collingwood supporters. <laughs> uh, they are. We are, yes. <laughs> we are. <laughs> uh, let's go to a break, Shory, and we'll come back and we'll talk about those, uh, those great sides of the late 70s and early 80s. Hope you're enjoying the chat with Ray Shaw on This Is Your Sporting Life. For Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives, plenty more still to come. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan. For Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Craig Davis marks. About 50-odd metres out from goal. Goes on the wide arc and screws the ball back in towards full forward. Kink is there. He taps it out towards Morris, who's roving to the pack. A call from Ray Shaw. Has a quick look. Over his shoulder. He fires. And it's Collingwood's eighth goal. And the second goal to Ray Shaw. Just one of the brilliant goals that Ray Shaw <laughs> kicked in his career. That was the voice of Peter Booth, who was also oh, okay. a yeah. Collingwood supporter. And oh. in fact, uh, if we go forward a little bit to when your brother was playing in 1990, Peter Booth was actually calling that game Dear. for the ABC and he could hardly talk. Is that right? He was so emotional <laughs> right, when it yeah. got towards the end of the last quarter. He just had a lump in his throat the size of a watermelon. Yeah, I could, I could imagine that. That was... Uh... A great day for the boys. Yeah. yeah, it was. And a few good days, not quite the same mm. back in the late 70s and early 80s. First of all, the captaincy. Yep. Was it something that you sought or was it something that was thrust upon you? Oh, you'd probably say, that, you know, as I said, you know, it's always been a dream to do it. And um, uh, I was probably in a good position at that time to to take it over. And, uh, and you know, they... The club come to me and ask me. You know, it wasn't wasn't me. I, you know, I deserve it or something like that. I, um, it's something that I, I kind of, I, I just couldn't. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it to happen. I, I wanted it to happen in whether it was that year or the year after, or whatever it is. I was kind of waiting for it to happen, and hopefully, I was in the right form, the the right position, um, and the right spot to get it. And uh, oh, I, I just, I just loved it. I just loved, um, you know, although. We, you have plenty of captains on the field anyway, Pete. You know, it, mm. not in the not in the the captain's role, but uh, I always my game was built around talking and encouraging the players. So I was really, a, well, you can probably say I was a captain in the waiting, really. So uh, that's the way I played footy all the way through. So even if I didn't get the, the gig, I was would would have continued in the same boat anyway. Everyone always talks about grand finals, and we have to. Yeah, as painful as that might be. <laughs> 79. First thing I'll ask you about 79. How far out was it? <laughs> Wayne yeah. Harms kick. How far out over the boundary line yeah, was it? Yeah, look, as a, you probably go to review these days and all, and all that. And find, the thing that I couldn't understand about it, sorry not answering your question, but I couldn't understand how there was two Carlton blokes standing in the goal square by themselves. Uh, you know, Kenny Sheldon. Kenny Sheldon. And I don't, there's someone else not far away from him, so... You know, everyone's eyes is on Harms, but my my, you know, like he could have knocked the ball into a Collingwood player and away you go, but he mm. knocked it in fantastic 
football. Knocked it in, and Kenny Sheldon's stand the goals were by himself. So, uh, yeah, it was you know it was, it was very hard to take, very hard to take. Yep. Does it take you twelve months to get over that sort of thing? Is the only way that you can uh, get revenge on what happened to win the next year, and you qualified to win the next yeah, year? Yeah. Oh, oh no, I don't. I don't look at it that way. I think. Um, I'm a big believer in grand finals. There's two sides in it. There's a lot of sides you miss out. So uh, mm. you're in there. Is the best side going to win on the day? If it's a tight, tight contest, well, which one's the best side? So the way things just worked out, um, I, I, no, I, I think uh, I think you just got to you have it in the back of your mind when the next season comes along and pre-seasons, everyone's talking about Colin are going to revenge it and things like that. But I think once you once you get going. The next season, pre-season, it, it's a little bit of the back of your mind. So you just take every game as it comes, and and hopefully you're good enough to be to be there at, in September. In the middle of the night these days, Shuri, do you wake up and see the number twenty nine for Richmond in your worst nightmares, running around and just tearing everyone to shreds? Yeah, I've, I've done it a few times, uh, not lately, but I have done <laughs> probably you know within three or four years or after that nineteen eighty grand final. And, well, you know, fantastic performance. Um, we just couldn't, as I mentioned earlier, we just, we were gone. We just didn't have any life in our legs. And uh, they were, they, they're, they're probably the best side. You know, you look at the Brisbane's now or the Brisbane's a couple of years ago, you know, Richmond in those days, you know, you look from back line to forward line, mm-hmm. midfield, they, they were probably one of the best sides you would have seen in, in the history of football, I reckon. They were a great side. And then 81, it happens again. Yeah. Did you start to believe in the collie wobbles that everybody was talking about? Did it ever infiltrate your thinking, the fact that it just kept on happening? Yeah. It, look, it, it, I would say probably 10% of my mind was focused about the collie wobbles and, you know, do we work so hard and not get result, um, which we did. We really worked hard under Tommy and... You know, people got to remember, we in 1976, we finished last on the ladder. Yeah. And, you know, 77 in the grand final and, and you know, for the next four or five years we were in grand final. So Tommy had done an amazing job and uh, I think fitness was the biggest thing and he, he got us all fit and the club was happy. The club was successful without winning flags and uh, a lot of a lot of the credit's got to go to him. Um, so, you know, it's... It, Mate, I even think about it now. You know, I've seen Heath get one. I've seen Reese get one, and I'm mm. thinking, what about me? Why can't? Why couldn't have I got one? But that's in the past. That's in the past. You get together with your teammates, and you, you'd keep in contact with your teammates. But the one thing that everybody says who's played in a premiership is that that bomb will never be broken. Mm. Whereas the guys who have come close say that hole that's in your guts yeah. will never heal. There's no reunions, mate. Yeah. We don't have any reunions because we didn't win one. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know. I, even my Preston days, we have reunions. And so it's it's a great day to catch up with all the blokes who you, you play with and all that. But unfortunately, I play with some fantastic players um, at Collingwood and we've we've mentioned a lot since we've been here. And, um, you know, it, it, it would have been fantastic just to have, you know, get one so that we could have a reunion and talk about it and uh, just share so many great, Great memories, yeah. It would have been fantastic. Just one quick thing, because we're running out of time. Sure. Tell us where Tassie fitted into the picture for you towards the end of your time at Collingwood. Yeah, that was um, that was a bit. I think I left because I just. Um, I mean, we're talking about you know losing the grand final, and I 
I just had to get out of Melbourne, Pete. I just mm. thought, you know, and I was only a young bloke then, and I just said, no, nah, I've got to get out of here. And the Devonport Footy Club approached me, and I thought, oh, why not? Why not? You know, I, to be honest, I wasn't thinking about Collingwood. I wasn't thinking about really anything else. I was just thinking about myself. And I, I was that disappointed uh, with the result, and uh, we could have, we could have, won a premiership and it just got me down and you know what Melbourne's like even the week after a grand final um, it's just held a scout and I just said I've got to get out of here and so, as I said Devonport approached me and I thought oh yeah I might do that but not knowing the consequences about clearances and things I just, mm. I, just had to, I just had to get out just had to get out of Melbourne yeah. So you went down there but it didn't last long? No I went down there probably for and I, I was appointed captain coach I took him for pre-season training for about four or five weeks. Then Peter Luger said, come on, mate, you're coming back. And that was it, yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. When I look at your numbers, Shuri, the one thing that strikes me, because we we identify you as Collingwood, you Mm -hmm. you were Collingwood for so long, but it was only, how many games? 146. Mm. Why was it only that number? Eight years. Played eight years. Yeah. Um, You could probably add 12. I think I got suspended for 12 weeks over that time. So, that, you know, I, I didn't – I missed in 81, early 81, I missed 10 weeks with, with my knee. I did my knee. So I was in plaster for 10 weeks, came back, played my only game in the seconds, which uh, – <laughs> getting up early. How was that? Well, kicking the jew off. Kicking the jew off, yeah. I, Kevin Morris would come back from injury too and we both played in that game. And, and then the following week we, I got back in and Kev, I think Kev got back in too and uh, – and we kind of waltzed in the finals. But, yeah, I probably um, 146 could have been probably one, uh, 170, Pete, I reckon, 170-odd mm. if I hadn't had injuries and suspension, yeah. So. And you got to the end of the 146. Were you happy you got absolutely everything out of it, apart from that time where you, by your own admission, you mm. became an outside player and yeah. just tried to take the easy way for a little while. But at the end of it, were you pretty pleased with what you'd put in? Oh, I think so, Pete. Yeah, I, I think from, from day one, Game one right through, I I went out there and um, I just did my best, whatever I could do. Um, you have your good days, you have your bad days, and, and um, but you just got to come back the next week and, and throw all the bad games behind you and hopefully that uh, you're going to be in for a good one. And, you know, a good one doesn't mean you get a lot of possessions. It's how you go about it. And, uh, in, and at the end of the game, naturally, if you won, you're, you're more thrilled for everyone. If you lost, well, you, you just got to get on the – on the bike and say, well, we're going to be better than that next week. And that's the way I went about it. But yeah, I, look, I was, I was very happy with my career and, um, you know, I, I, I could have left it in the end of 76. I could have gone to North Melbourne and because of, you know, the club was in turmoil. It was mm. just terrible. And, but they got Tommy over and he sparked us up a bit. And, um, you know, the end of 81, um, that was, that was the end. Yeah. But it wasn't the end of your football journey. There was still a bit to come. We'll talk about that. We're just about out of time. Yeah, sure. But our final segment with Ray Shaw and the wheel turns full circle. He finds himself back in the red and white yep. at Kramer Street again. And that's all still to come with Shorey on the other side of the break. This is your sporting life for Tobin Brothers Funeral. Celebrating lives. Hope you're enjoying the show. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. What a great chat it's been to the great Ray Shaw on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Life. Shuri, I alluded to it before the break. It turned full circle. You find yep. yourself back at Preston again, very successfully too. Yeah, look, um, it was it was great. Uh, at the end of 81, um, Tommy rang me and he said, look, Ray, I think it's time to, you know, to leave and very short conversation. But, you know, if the coach doesn't want you, 
you don't belong at the club. So I decided to leave. And uh, there's only North and Essendon showed a little bit of interest. But uh, unfortunately, Pete, I was a very loyal person. And I said to myself, I can't play against my mates. You know, the blokes who I played for the last eight years with, I'm not going to play against them. It's it's just, it would have been so hard for me to do that. And um, I decided to go back to Preston in uh, 1982 and uh, as a playing coach. And um, we were... We were a very successful club for the three years that I was there and it was just great to get back there and the old Kramer Street Oval, you know, I walk in there even these days watching different games and then it just hits you as though, yeah, I've been here before. And It was a cauldron, wasn't it? it? It's a good place to be. It's a good place to be. And we were, I think, in something like in in the three years that I was there, we won... 52 out of 59 games or something, Peter. It was, we were a very good side, you know, We uh, and we worked very hard together. Yeah, it was really good. And just the last bit on the Collingwood Association, you could never do it, but how proud were you when your brother in 1990 grabbed hold of that Premiership Cup with Lee, Matthew, Lee Matthews yeah. and lifted it up? Um, that was unbelievable. And, you know, for a bloke of, you know, people talk about Tony, you know, all this can't kick, can't run. Being like this, Too slow. 313 games later, he yeah. was going and uh, he looked fantastic. And, and the way he set it up for him too, he, he was in there and he's he's biting and scratching and doing all this and, and talking to the, the opposition. And But he was a, he was a fabulous leader. You know, people don't really recognise him, but he was, he's one of the greatest leaders that um, Collingwood have ever seen and uh, well-deserved. He, he deserved every minute of that final. And, of course, Neville played for the black and white as yep. well, so it's a, right. a great dynasty of the family. Yeah. All right, we're just about at the end. Who wins the flag first, Collingwood, North or the Giants? Ah, oh, yeah, I've got to go. I've got to go GWS because I've backed them all the way through. So hopefully, look, but if it's North, oh, the place wouldn't the place wouldn't be still for a month, I reckon, if North won it. And, and the, well, the place is never still if Collingwood win it anyway, Pete, so... What a great thing, you know, have have the you know, have them playing against each other because I'm I'm on a winner all the way through, so it would would be great. Yeah. Would be great for the whole three sides to be in the finals and, and fighting it out. And the last question, Shuri, uh, we're big payers here. Obviously the huge amount of money that you're getting for coming into yeah. this show today. Say if I was to give you sporting tickets to any event in the world. Yeah. Would the first one still be that game they play on the last Saturday in September at the MCG? Without a doubt. And as long as I was playing in it, Peter, it would be even better. <laughs> You're a champ. <laughs> Thanks, you mate. have been a great representative of your football club and your family has been synonymous with the game. It's been brilliant to have a chat to you over the last hour. Thanks for coming yeah. in, Shory. My pleasure, Pete, and thank you very much. Ray Shaw, my guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. What a pleasure it was to be able to sit down with Shory. We'll do it again next week. So we hope you can be with us then. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.